Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. So my guest for today landed in my LinkedIn in-mail inbox October, <laughs> November last year with a video. So that would mean not a lot of people use video to get uh, my attention. At the time, if you had told me fast forward three months, I wouldn't be drinking alcohol anymore. I'd be getting eight hours of sleep and I'd be fasting. Uh, I would have been willing to put the same amount of money I put into a cask of Dingle whiskey, that that would not be <laughs> the case. Uh, let me know that a cask of Dingle whiskey is not the cheapest. However, fast forward three months, and it is the case. I haven't, I haven't drank this year. I have consistently got eight hours of sleep. And prior to this, I was getting four, four and a half hours of sleep. And I've been fasting whatever week, week 10 of this year. I don't know what week it is. I haven't fasted yeah, every single week, week nine, of this yeah. year week nine so alex you're very welcome to the show thanks for having me rian it's it's a pleasure oh but the pleasure is mine um look the structure of the podcast is really want to do a deep dive into who you are Mm -hmm. and some areas of expertise so i noticed that you are originally or your family's originally from malta it's a place I've wanted to go to for a while. Moldo- Moldova, Moldova, oh, Moldova. Sorry, Moldova. <laughs> it's all good. You definitely haven't wanted to go to Moldova for a while. I can tell you that for a fact. Well, that actually <laughs> changes the the question. I actually know someone who has been to Moldova before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my question to you is, what would you recommend as a place to visit if people go to Moldova? Moldova. Real quick, I want to answer that, but first, just back on what you were saying about not not thinking that you you'd be in a situation where you weren't drinking. Sure. You also you're selling yourself short. You're exercise. You're doing like three or four kettlebell sessions a week, a couple of runs, that kind of stuff. Um, and I just want to say that I've worked with a lot of people, and the just the determination to sort of jump in and just execute on a week to week basis is second to none, and that's just a. Uh, a tribute, I guess, to your work ethic in business that you apply to to other areas as well. So I just wanted to kind of compliment you on that before we jumped in. And then your question was what again? Sorry. Uh, originally from Moldova, what mm-hmm. one place would you recommend if people are to visit there? So uh, real quick, Moldova is quite small. It's about the same population as Ireland, about 4 million thereabouts. Super, super, super poor country. I remember reading an article a few years back. It's like the second poorest country in Europe uh, behind like Bosnia and Herzegovina. Um, But it's a beautiful place. The people are really nice. It's really warm during the summer, cold during the winter. You get a lot of snow, you get a lot of sun, that kind of stuff. Uh, In terms of visiting there, there's actually... every every couple of years we go by uh we'll bump into there'll be big big groups of like irish people actually going over to moldova to work in some of the orphanages over there other than that there isn't really a whole lot i'd recommend visiting kishnow which is the capital uh it's the city it's a beautiful place uh and in particular i only found out out about this recently but um krikova is like this huge winery in moldova and it's uh, it's home to one of the biggest wine cellars 
either in Europe or in the world, you'll have to fact check me on that, 2 million bottles of wine. Uh, and there's a, and there's tours available for that. So if you are, for whatever reason, find yourself in Moldova at some point in the future, definitely visit Krikova wine cellar. I'm, I hope, I hope I'm remembering the name right, but the biggest wine cellar uh, in the world or in Europe. Well, I, I, I am a fan of wine back when I did drink alcohol. Not that I've yeah. just taken a break. Um, I was in Tbilisi in Georgia and their mm. wine is also amazing. Some beautiful wines yeah. on that side of the world. Um, and women. Agreed. <laughs> agreed. <laughs> Looking, if you're to type in your name into Google, mm. it will it won't take long for someone to recognize that you've you've got a passion for weightlifting, lifting mm-hmm. weights. I'm curious to know what's one thing that you're into that a lot of people might not know. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, that's a good question. So the weightlifting stuff is obvious. I've been in martial arts since I was super young and then started going to the gym and that kind of stuff. And that was very public because I did a lot of social media back in the day, kind of transitioning out of secondary school into college, did a lot of YouTube, Instagram, that kind of stuff. Um, but something that I've focused on a lot more in recent times that I haven't really made as public is a big focus, I guess, on personal development, self-help, and then right on the kind of fringe and kind of the end of that, this kind of new age spirituality. Now, not the really woo-woo kind of out there stuff uh, that's very kind of dogmatic, but really just this... I guess understanding that within all of us, there is this sort of divine power, divine spirit, call it God, call it whatever you want, this this idea of our higher self. And it's really about, you know, aligning yourself with what that is, with that clear intention of, you know, acting out in a certain way, acting, I guess, what it really comes down to is acting out your values in the world. Uh, but then there's there's that, there's this this whole world of mindfulness and meditation and really this, this clear intention around living in the moment, as in not like living in the moment and going off to like Vegas or Tijuana or something like that, but living in the moment as in being present in every moment, not worrying about the future, not, you know, ruminating over the past because of this simple idea that the present is all we have and our true power can only be harnessed in the present moment. And it was a couple of years ago when I first came across this idea. And initially I actually had um, a lovely lady on on my podcast back in the day, about two years ago, Alison Canavan, who uh, kind of, uh, I, I first kind of came across this. I didn't really understand what she meant by being present back then. I dabbled in meditation, mindfulness, but it didn't really make sense as such. And it's only that as I've gotten o- older a little bit and kind of understand it better, that I see its true power in action in pretty much everything that I do. On your instagram stories today on your journal you said you're grateful for breathing so that's a great segue (laughs) into that explain yeah cool so it's actually a super funny story so i woke up a little bit late this morning um i usually get up at about eight start work for about nine woke up at nine to start work for about 10 today and my mom uh is off work she got surgery a couple of weeks ago so she just does be like annoying me every single day now i'm only joking but she was cleaning the dust on my, on my shelf because she's real OCD about that kind of stuff. No, I'm not joking. I love her, but she, but she is a little bit OCD. 
and I wanted to to meditate in my room where I normally do and she's kind of making noise and she was like kind of go meditate in the toilet like jokingly and I was like no I'm gonna go downstairs I went down to the living room and I decided to do instead of my normal meditation because I was kind of running short on time I decided to do some Wim Hof breathing. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of Wim Hof. Are you familiar yeah. with him? Yeah, yeah, cool. So for anyone that doesn't know, Wim Hof is like this <laughs> crazy guy, crazy Dutch guy who basically pioneered this Wim Hof method, which is a combination of uh, breathing exercises to his Wim Hof breathing method, as well as cold exposure. So cold showers, cold ice baths, uh, jumping into the sea when it's cold. He's even taken like people climbing mountains in the like bl blizzard snows like completely in their boxers like he's taking loads of people on these crazy expeditions and his whole thing is about like overcoming that barrier of pain by going deep into our physiology and stuff like that and at first people were like this guy's crazy but they've done the studies they've done the research uh, about basically how through these methods you're previously what was believed to you, th that essentially you weren't able to uh, regulate the autotomic nervous system consciously because it's autotonic, I can't, the autonomic, sorry. No, 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 it's, it's all good. Autonomic nervous system, I got, it, I got it out eventually. But through these practices he can. So this morning what I decided to just do was some Wim Hof breathing, which is essentially like 30 to 40 breaths where you go really in through your belly, into the chest, and all the way into the head, a really, really deep breath. And then you just breathe out. And then you just do that 30 times. And once you've done the 30 times, you take one more big breath and then you breathe it out. And then you just hold. And you wouldn't think that after, you know, breathing, uh, breathing your air all the way out that you would be able to hold it, but you can hold it for like a minute and a half, two minutes. Mm. Some people can hold it four plus minutes. And I did that. Usually you do about three or four rounds of that. I just did two rounds. No, I think actually I did three this morning. And afterwards, uh, I made a joke saying that I felt high on my own supply because you genuinely yeah. feel this sense of euphoria, um, this sense of just like, almost like just this bliss, this blissful feeling. So I stepped outside and I just kind of looked around. It was a really nice day. Well, actually it wasn't a nice day. It's really cloudy and overcast here in Blanche, but I was like, it's such a beautiful day. I just felt this overwhelming, just feeling of kind of love and posi positivity. And I was just like, when I wrote down in my journal, cause every day I write down one thing that I'm grateful for. And some days I'm kind of really clutching at straws to find like something to be grateful for. Uh, and this morning it was just breathing. Yeah. Grateful for a mother who cleans her room. I wish my mom. Well, I don't exactly. Know yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I can vouch for the Wim Hof breathing technique. Mm. It was um, there's a professional Irish boxer that lives in the village next to me. His mm -hmm. wife or fiance lives and went to school the same school that I did. His name is John O'Carroll. He <clears throat> um, put up about the Wim Hof breathing technique probably mm -hmm. 24 months ago, and I wasn't interested until he said it feels like you're high. And mm -hmm. I said, all right, scrap that. I'm, I'm trying this. And it does. It's amazing. So you've mentioned social media, weightlifting. You went to UCD to study business and commerce. Mm -hmm. Why did you pick business and commerce? Cool. So I guess if we track back a little bit, when I was in... When I was in school, uh, I was quite like academic, quite studious, Eastern European kind of background uh, what's it called child of immigrants came over here so for us education was always kind of the way out as such the kind of classic yeah. 
immigrant story or whatever. So it was always kind of instilled for me from a very young age to, you know, study hard, get good grades, go to college, go down that kind of that kind of route because nobody in my family had ever gone to college. Not that I not that I know in terms of extended family, but definitely in my own family. Uh, and so the plan was always to go to college. And when, kind of when I got to leaving, sir, as most kids, most of our leaving cert students kind of get to that point and they're like, what the hell? Like, what the hell? What the hell do I want to do? Like asking a 17 year old that and even looking back in hindsight, it's actually crazy the kind of pressure we put on our youth and that age, not, yeah. and not so much the pressure, but really the lack of support and the lack of sort of real world kind of understanding when it comes to, OK, if I study this, what can I work in? What does that kind of look like? Huge disconnect. But that's a that's a that's a whole separate story for a whole nother time. I was always interested, <clears throat> excuse me, in business. And I'd heard about this course, Commerce in UCD. I actually had a friend a year ahead of me who I knew through Taekwondo at the time, very close friend. Uh, shout out to Rustic, Rustic Ivanchuk. Um, and he had he he was doing commerce and he said it was great. So I was like, fair, I'm just gonna do commerce. So that's how I ended up in commerce, which Commerce in UCD, in my opinion, one of the best business courses in the country, if not the best. It's probably tied between that and best. Me and my me and my friend were actually having a conversation about this the other day. Fantastic, phenomenal course. And up to that point, because at the time I was doing a lot of social media, a lot of fitness related stuff, I was doing a little bit of one-to-one online coaching in, in, in fitness at the time as well. I thought that that would kind of be my path. But as I kind of went from second year into third year of college, in the Investors and Entrepreneurs Society, which is the biggest uh, business society, or one of the biggest business societies mm-hmm. in UCD. Uh, and then I I, I, I kind of changed my trajectory in terms of what I wanted to do, started looking into internships, started really focusing and knuckling down in terms of, you know, having good career prospects, having a good CV uh, for when I finished college. And, and I'd heard about this great internship in Microsoft. They'd done a couple of talks in, in our... In our in the Quinn Business School, I was really excited. It was really the people that they had that had come in, brought this kind of energy and, and, and excitement, and that was really what sold me on it. And I ended up in an internship in Microsoft for a year, which again uh, was a phenomenal experience. I, I actually wrote a, a LinkedIn post about this uh, just just this week. Great experience, but during that time, I kind of realized, you know, as great as this was, I just. I kind of had to ask myself, I kind of came to a little bit of a crossroads. I kind of asked myself, you know, do you realistically see yourself doing this even over the short term, even over the next like three to five years? And I kind of I kind of asked myself and thought really deeply about that. And the answer was just no. And then I kind of was left in a little bit of a weird position because I was like, so then what do I do? What is my purpose? How can I have impact? How can I have a career, make money, make a living, that kind of stuff? And it was a, it was a weird day. I was actually just sitting in my room here and, and my brother kind of came in and we were just kind of talking back and forth because he was doing some um, social media marketing stuff at the, at the same time, just kind of educating himself. He even did like a little bit of drop shipping for, for, for a time, like e-commerce and stuff. We were just kind of trying to figure out what were our options. And it just kind of clicked that... I have this wealth of knowledge and experience when it comes to health and fitness. And particularly during that time in Microsoft, I noticed even for myself as someone who's supposed to know this stuff, uh, I even found it difficult to maintain those healthy habits while, you know, maintaining my work responsibilities, meeting deadlines, end of quarter, that kind of stuff. And I seen 
the immense, immense amount of pressure uh, that like my seniors were under, particularly my manager, Brendan Duffy, who was a great mentor for me at my time during my time in Microsoft. I seen the immense amount of pressure and stress they were under. So I was kind of thinking if I'm little, little intern Alex is finding it difficult, then what about the really busy professionals? And as such, uh, the, the, the sort of conception of FitBiz Pro began. And that's kind of taken us up to where we are now, approximately almost two years later, about 18 months yeah. later or that or, or thereabouts. So you mentioned Microsoft. Um, you spent, what was that, a year there as a, about, solutions, yeah, a year. solutions yeah, specialist? Yeah, so I was, uh, in the, uh, I was on the partner's sales team within the Irish subsidiary, working with partners who service customers in Ireland, basically selling... Um, solutions that are that build solutions on azure not to get too technical because i'm totally yeah, not a technical yeah. person so i i have two questions in my mind and i'm unsure where to go with this but i'll come yeah. to the first one that came to my head was yeah 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 what's one of the two of the most positive experiences and takeaways you took from microsoft i understand that you wrote a blog on it so you won't want to give it all away because you want to drive traffic oh, no, it's all good. a blog <laughs> what's uh one or two of the positive takeaways Cool. So I guess the the big one that that really stands out to me is there's this ongoing theme within Microsoft of impact. Now, early on, I, I didn't really understand what that kind of meant, you know, impact on customers, impact on workers, just getting a lot of work done. What did that really mean? And during that time, it kind of started to click when you kind of look at the the sort of impact. There's one particular thing that before I was even working in Microsoft um, about the, the impact of Microsoft's technology on just everyday lives. When we think about simple things like Microsoft Word and that kind of stuff. But there is this particular story of this uh, lady, I think her name was. Emma, if I'm not mistaken, and she had multiple scler uh, multiple sclerosis, uh, and so she, she her hand was trembling. She she couldn't she couldn't write uh, whatsoever, yeah. and they through through haptic technology, through Microsoft AI and stuff like that, they were basically able to uh, track the trembles in her hand and then run that through an algorithm to basically counteract them through this uh, through this haptic sort of glove that basically stabilized her hand. And she was able for the first time in her adult life, or I think for the first time in her life, she was roughly uh, late twenties, write her name on a piece of paper. Wow. And that kind of right now, I kind of have shivers down my spine because that really kind of encapsulated for me what this idea of impact was. And having left Microsoft, uh, my whole thing with going towards you know busy professionals and the business leaders uh, i always say that i like to work or we like to work at fitbiz pro with high performing career driven men in particular because i'm a guy uh, and and that's who we kind of help we're able to help the best uh, and the reason for that is is because if you have if i can help people that are in those leadership positions whether it's a simple sales manager or a director or a ceo or a business owner like yourself I know that you also have people that you are directly impacting, whether it's your direct reports or right. whether it's your own customers or whether it's partners, you know, and then, you know, me helping you has a ripple effect to, you know, who knows how many people, and then that ripple effect kind of goes down and down. And then that to me is what, is what impact really means for me. If I can sort of set 
forth that positive chain reaction. I mean, think about think about if every person could have that kind of positive influence on even a couple much impact that that would then have on the world and that's when you kind of think about it more kind of broad picture you're you're a black belt in taekwondo and i'm gonna yes. make a wild guess here that mm -hmm. taekwondo has or has played a part in your love for coaching absolutely 100 100 so so i started taekwondo in particular when i was about eight years old and then uh later years at about 13 then i started kickboxing as well and those two martial arts particularly meshed very well together around that time as well um i was kind of ahead of sort of people my age at least in the club that i trained in as in i got my black belt in taekwondo when i was 12 years old so i yeah. was always training in the senior class the senior class when i was like 12 and uh, like i think even younger than 12 potentially so i was kind of always around people that were a little bit older than me a little bit more mature than me and i was kind of helping out in classes coaching from a super young age i i would have been like 11 or 12 and this is pretty common in taekwondo like we get yeah. a lot of this slightly older students to help the younger students so you're kind of getting that positive role model for the younger students but also uh the kind of teenagers are already getting that kind of experience of coaching someone else and that's that's literally been there since i was like 11 12 years old uh, and all the way up through my teens where there's a particular period of time in my life during my kind of teen years, I'd say from about 14 until about 17, where I was probably training in across Taekwondo and kickboxing like eight to 12, maybe 14 times per week and then lifting at the same time as well. And a lot of that was going to competitions like every two or three weeks. And it was a combination of competing myself and then also coaching. Uh, and I've always love this idea of being a teacher um one of the one of one of my i think my sixth class teachers told my parents that they think i'm going to be a teacher in the future and i've always had this in kind of in the back of my mind but like obviously teaching isn't the the best paid job uh, in this country or in any country but i'm essentially in effect doing the same thing but through a different medium mm -hmm. and in a medium that i think has has a lot of impact as well although i have so much respect uh, for the people that do pursue a, a career in teaching. It's such an it's such an admirable path to go down. It just wasn't the path that I went down necessarily. One of the most recent posts you put up on LinkedIn, mm. there's a line in there that says, and I'm reading from my notes here, self-report yeah. positive well-being has declined 39% due to restrictions. I believe I sit on the same side as the fence that you sit on when it comes mm -hmm. to the way that things have been dealt with recently. Mm -hmm. um, we could get very vocal here, but yeah, I, I, I'd like you to talk me through some of the negative implications that, uh, that have happened as a result of the decline in positive well-being. Yeah, so look, I guess, uh, and you kind of said it there, like politics aside, um, because that's a whole can of worms that mm -hmm. we can leave for maybe a drink on a Friday night or something like that, or maybe not a drink, maybe, maybe uh, whatever, you know, but coffee. when it comes to, yeah, exactly, a coffee, uh, not after, not after 3pm though, because that yes. interrupts your sleep. And that's another, that's another topic. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, so look, when it comes to this stuff, I think something that was kind of really 
sort of eye-opening and sort of very shocking and visceral for me in particular was when they closed gyms because they were deemed a non-essential service but i can still walk into an off license and get myself as much drink as i want and the like look i understand the sort of idea and the sort of theory behind like why they're doing that or that the, their sort of logic or lack thereof um but that just kind of spoke spoke to me uh and really tells you everything you need to know when you think when you talk about public health and the likes of nefit and stuff like that their interest isn't really when it comes to public health. It's really just about protecting their system. Now we can get into that, but we probably don't want to. In terms of the implications, I mean, for one, social isolation is probably hands down one of the most damaging things to overall human well-being. Um, above smoking, above probably drinking alcohol, taking drugs, I'd say a lack of isolate, uh, 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 sorry, social isolation on an ongoing basis is so detrimental to human well-being. Well, can Complete I pause you there for a second and, and, yeah. and, and vouch for that? Um, mm -hmm. I get my energy from people. I'm a people person mm. and uh, the uh, restrictions have not uh, been more positive in my life. They, uh, and so as a result of that, I see less people and I don't get that energy I yeah. get from people. You can't really get that via Zoom. Mm -hmm. Second to that, uh, and no disrespect to anyone I'm about to mention, I know they do it to protect their loved ones. I've not seen my girlfriend this year. It's what, 60 days into the year, 59, 60 days into the year. She's protecting her grandparents, so I can fully understand mm -hmm. that. But not seeing my girlfriend this year so far and yeah. getting my energy from people it's had a negative impact on me amongst many other things as well. So uh, I just wanted to put in there and say that what I think what you're saying is I, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. I mean, when they've looked at a, when they've looked at sort of, Oh, is that, sorry. I thought, I thought I heard that was me. Right my there. father came in and he's singing. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, like when they've looked at when they've looked at, at like the uh, the civilizations or the the communities cross culturally that that survive the longest and live the longest. One of the core pillars is a sense of community, a sense of belonging. Um, yeah, a, a sense of community and a sense of but your your, your door is just open. Yeah, so when they've looked at this cross culturally. Uh, one of the the key cornerstones of well-being within any community is literally a sense of community, a sense of belonging. And when you take that away for a lot of people has impact on their mental as well as physical health. Other than that, I mean, when you close gyms, that's a place where people go to exercise, particularly over the winter period. Now you can say, oh yeah, you go outside, you go for a run, you, you that kind of stuff, but it's not the same. And when you take that away from people, when you take the... It, when you put people into an environment that doesn't support their health and well-being, you're going to get negative implications, probably that far outweigh the potential impact of, you know, a virus in the population. And the evidence is, is starting to come out now with suicides up, rate of uh, domestic mm -hmm. abuse up. And, and what about the long-term implication of uh, the, 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 the emotional and mental trauma that, you know, our, our children are suffering at the moment as well, being out of school. I know they're back in school now at the time of, at the time of uh, recording this. But it's it's very easy to kind of point to uh, uh, this this one evil and like 
tell us that we we all need to stay at home or else we're bad people versus when you kind of really dig into and analyze this and apply some critical thinking uh, and understand the facts that's just not the case uh and look hindsight is 2020 so look in in six months 12 months two years time we'll be able to look at this and say who was wrong or who was right but mm-hmm. at that point i think it's kind of late and not to dwell too much on the negative but to kind of bring this back to what people can do one thing that i've been doing a lot particularly working from home if you're a busy professional which most of you listening to this podcast will be is treat your day as if you're going into work i wake up every day and i put on nice work clothes every single day i put on my watch i put on aftershave i make sure my hair looks good everything and i sit down at my desk i set aside time to exercise i've and even myself i've been really bad about this over the last two weeks in particular because i've just been trying to get as much work done that i've neglected exercise at times as well so set aside that time for yourself talk to people get outside and get as much vitamin d and sunlight as possible supplement with vitamin d if you're not doing that already Uh, some zinc some magnesium that kind of stuff Uh, just look after yourself because it's apparent that nobody else is going to do that for you so you kind of have to take that ownership on yourself uh, to do so yeah i i i never read into the positive implications of vitamin d and i started taking it probably 30 40 days ago um funny because i i'm not going to quote a word for a word here because i can't find it fast enough but john kavanagh you'll be familiar with john kavanagh head coach of sbg he Mm -hmm. he put out a post that said something along the lines of uh so i guess squats spread coronavirus in yeah in uh i can't think of the right word in not retaliation but in response to the lockdown of gyms yeah sleep you mentioned coffee and how important it is to take into consideration that what was it the half-life of six hours of coffee how important is sleep okay cool so so (laughs) absolutely number one important end of story like completely uh, amazing book why we sleep by matthew walker now i haven't read the book in particular but i got the sound bites from sound sound bites from his podcast episode with joe rogan so you can look that up for yourself but a lot of the time when people look at health they they used to look at it in terms of nutrition exercise and sleep as in this kind of like these sort of three points that form this triangle. But when in reality, sleep is actually the foundation upon which exercise, nutrition, and then everything else really, really falls upon. And that's the way to really look at it. And look, how important is it? Look, a lack of even like an hours uh, of sleep deprivation a night can can make you it can result in you driving as if you've had like one or two drinks it's the same kind of thing in terms of your in terms of your 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 motor skills your perception uh your spatial awareness your concentration your focus your memory all those kind of things implications on let's let's talk about implications on on metabolism for example when people talk about you know losing weight getting in shape all those kinds of things let's talk about real implications on metabolism uh 
not enough sleep or poor sleep quality uh, results in a lowered metabolic rate, increased craving, particularly for uh, hyper palatable foods or foods that are high in calories, high in sugar, because our body is looking for that energy elsewhere. And it's typically going to go for uh, those nicer foods. Um, and then in terms of focus and concentration in work, like a dramatic, dramatic uh, decrease. So what I always say to people is first, there's the issue of getting seven to nine, seven and a half to nine hours of sleep a night. The reason I say seven and a half is because an average sleep cycle is about 90 minutes. Uh, so you, you do between five and six of those sleep cycles and out night, sorry, those sleep cycles a night. Now there's some people that can do better on less, but that's a very, very small percentage of the population. Somewhere about 5% can get away on less than the recommended amount. So that's one thing, the seven and a half to nine hours of sleep a night. Look, if you get between seven and eight, that's generally a good sweet spot. Now, sleep quality is is a completely different story um our body uh our body has this natural circadian rhythm it's a body clock and it's in tune with the sun outside so after about uh after once once the sun goes down once there's no more light coming in our body starts to produce melatonin which will signal for sleep you start to get drowsy and you fall asleep now one thing that we're all guilty of doing is being on screens until very late at night whether it is on your laptop whether it's watching tv whether it's a tablet whether it's your mobile and in bed is look i'm guilty of this as well being on my phone in bed but the blue light from devices uh, inhibits the release of melatonin. Uh, so what you want to do a real quick fix is turn on night shift mode on is on automatic after a certain time. Uh, you can actually uh, you can actually align that with the sunset flux on flux on um, Windows, and then I think. Uh, iOS has their own has their own version of that as well. So that's one really easy thing night shift mode, or you can get yourself a pair of blue light blockers, which are basically glasses that have a film that basically uh, traps the blue light. Uh, and then you can basically just put them on 8pm. Um, and then your body is going to continue to release that melatonin. So that's one really simple thing. Now, uh, the other thing is sleep hygiene. So that basically is having a bedtime and having a wake up time. So going to bed at the same time every day and waking up at the same time every day, preferably without an alarm. Uh, preferably you you naturally rise at the end of your your final sleep cycle in the morning and it's so important that when you do wake up naturally at that point you don't fall back asleep or you don't go back yeah. to sleep because if you kind of sleep for another 30 45 minutes you end up wake and then wake up you wake up in the middle of a sleep cycle and you, you ever get when you've gotten a really long night's sleep but you wake up and you're still super tired. One of the reasons why is because you woke up in the middle of a sleep cycle. So you're in deep sleep and that's why you feel groggy and drowsy when you wake up. So that's one thing, having a nightly routine before you go to bed, whether that's, I don't know, having a shower, doing your teeth, your hygiene, putting some vanilla extract on your pillow, that kind of stuff is really great because then that kind of signals to your brain that it's time to sleep. And then the last thing, and there's loads of other things that you can do, uh, the conditions of your room as well. So your body likes to sleep in complete darkness, complete silence, and a cool temperature. So those three things, dark, silent, and cool. 
Uh, a couple of things you can do there. Uh, you can blackout blinds are great. Uh, blackout blinds are great for for the darkness. Uh, Earplugs are great for silence. If you have a significant other or someone that snores or something like that, or if you just live out by near a road where it's where it's uh, loud. So earplugs. And then cool, uh, you just open your window for like 30 minutes before bedtime and just cool the room down. That's amazing. There's loads of other things you can do. Uh, a little bit more extreme, you can get yourself a heavier duvet, heavier duvets. You can get weighted duvets uh, and your body uh, your body actually likes sleeping. It, it creates a more sense of security and comfort when you're sleeping under something heavier. And then other than that, there's, there are other kind of tricks and tidbits that you can do, but those kind of, those few number of things have a huge impact on your sleep. And you'll notice this, like when, when you're sleeping better, you're more focused, you're less distracted. It's easier to get into flow state, which is another thing. And we can have a conversation around flow state as well. And just that idea, tying it back to what I was talking about earlier on, just the ability to be present and not let the external world, uh, not let the external world interfere with your internal world. Yeah, and that's absolutely. truly, that's truly what I guess resilience is. If you wanted to sort of put a definition on it. Yeah. I, I, I love this topic and, and I want to, I want to dig into it for a little bit before we move on towards closing this mm -hmm. conversation out. Um, my, when my girlfriend first started staying at my apartment, one of the things that I noticed was she got really poor nights of sleep. Mm. And I couldn't wrap my head around it because we're not the type of couple, she doesn't drink, we're not the type of couple that stays up late. Yeah. And we get up relatively early, but we've got a good, uh, you know, six or seven hours of sleep. And what I noticed it was, I woke up one night to go to the toilet and she'd woken up a couple of times. And then I live on a main road and she mm. lives in the countryside in complete darkness. So yeah. the change in environment for her 100%. knocked her off completely. And when I go to her parents' place and sleep there, it's some of the best nights of sleep I've ever gotten because I'm going from a place with noise to no noise whatsoever and mm. complete darkness. So I can vouch, having worked with you as well, I can vouch that you know a syncadian rhythm is an incredibly important, a, a, a fun, but not so fun, but fun looking back on test to do on yourself is yeah. to get yourself into a syncadian rhythm and then one night knock it off by two or three hours and see how fucked up you are for three or four days. Yeah, and that's the thing. And I love that you say that because I've been in periods where my sleep is just on point to the T. I just feel fantastic just from morning to night. Like I've just got energy all day and just complete focus. And then if at the weekend, um, maybe socializing with some friends or maybe staying up later, like watching Netflix or something stupid like that go to bed a little bit later, wake up a little bit later. Like it can take me almost an entire week before I'm feeling normal again. That's how, that's how difficult it sometimes is to get back in, in, into that routine. And the point that you made about being in a different environment, that's why sleeping, uh, w when you're used to sleeping at home and then when you go into a different environment, like let's say you're, you're traveling for work or something like that. You're staying in random hotel rooms. Uh, your body can sense when it's not in its normal environment for sleep. It senses it's in danger. And so what it does is it's like, okay, I'm not going to go into fully deep sleep and full REM sleep in case I get attacked during the night. And that's wow. why 
uh, you're sometimes always because sometimes you can be in situations on holidays where you're just more relaxed. You find it easier to just kind of fall asleep. But other times uh, it can be a case of you're not going to get as deep sleep because you're not in the same environment. Last question on sleep. Cool. If you were to uh, spend a weekend living with me in my house and you saw that on a Saturday night at 10 o'clock at night, I was making myself a coffee. What face would you make? I'd slap the coffee out of your hand. Why? No, no, really. So, so this is something that for the longest time, I was just completely oblivious to, completely oblivious to. So I used to think that, look, sure, I can drink a cup. Cause I used to, I used to do coffee in the morning, monster, another coffee, maybe another monster again. I was a complete caffeine junkie, particularly when I was in college. And particularly when I was doing a lot of training in Taekwondo and kickboxing and I was lifting at the same time. And because I wasn't prioritizing sleep, I was artificially energizing myself all day for a very long time. It's actually scary to even reflect on that. Uh, I was just constantly in, in fight or flight just all the time. And I used to think that, look, I can have a, a cup of coffee. I can have a monster at eight, eight o'clock and I can still like I can still fall asleep easy. And I used to equate being able to fall asleep as I was getting sleep. But no, because uh, the, the main kind of thing you need to understand is that caffeine has a half life of about four, five, six hours. Can't remember exactly, which basically means if you have a can of monster uh, in the morning, 150 milligrams of caffeine, roughly speaking, uh, by evening time, you've still got like 30, 20, 30 milligrams of that caffeine in your system. And imagine you had that at 6 p.m. Like, you know, half of that stuff is still in your system while you while you're about to go asleep. And it's not that you're not going to be able to fall asleep, sleeping, sleeping, just that the fact that you fell asleep and you slept through the night without waking up doesn't necessarily correlate with the fact that you got a good night's sleep. The two are not yeah. the same thing. So it can interrupt your sleep quality. It doesn't allow you to get into as deep sleep, especially REM sleep, which is the most important part of sleep. It's the rapid eye movement. It's while we dream. And this is a very, very uh, easy way to know if you're getting good sleep. When was the last time you dreamt? If you're not regularly having dreams now, I know some people can't remember their dreams, but in the morning time, uh, generally speaking, when my sleep is really bad, I don't dream. I don't dream whatsoever. Now, I'm not sure, don't completely quote me on this as a, as a way to measure it because there are good ways to measure it with the likes of an aura ring. Um, now, those things are like 400 quid a pop, which to be honest is a pretty good investment if you think about it. And that tracks with granular detail the quality of your sleep. But definitely to pull it back to, to no more caffeine after about 1 or 2 p.m. in the day, I would say. At the latest, like 3 um, but, but honestly, I would stick to, cause see, uh, the, the whole caffeine thing is kind of, uh, it's kind of a, a vicious cycle. You drink caffeine, your sleep quality is bad. So you're tired. So you drink more, more caffeine, caffeine, which just, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a negative feedback loop. So the yeah. way to stop that is to go cold Turkey for a few days, feel like shit. But then after those two or three days, uh, you just have this natural energy. Like the only reason I, I kind of drink a kind of monster or a coffee in the morning nowadays is just because I like the taste. It's a little bit of a ritual. It kind of gets me set up for the day as I'm, you know, writing, writing some content in the morning or whatever it is. Uh, but other than that, I, I, I 
normally completely stay away. I know that if I'm reaching for like a cup of coffee in the afternoon or something else in the afternoon, my sleep is suffering. If I if I feel the need to reach for something, that mm -hmm. shouldn't be, oh, drink caffeine. It should be, no, go fix your sleep. I love it. I love it. And that obviously explains why I uh, conquered hangovers with more beer. Uh, another example. Um, I, I want to touch on diets for, for, for yeah, cool. the remainder of the time we have. And then I have a uh, question for two questions to close out. But mm -hmm. um, this might sound mad, but run with me for 30 seconds. Absolutely. Strawberries are tasty, but strawberries in every meal are intolerable. Variety makes eating enjoyable. How important is variety? So variety in the context of diet, staying consistent with the diet, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So look, I would say variety is definitely important. But what I always say to people, and this is a very powerful statement, the best diet for you is whatever you can stick to. Okay, that's a that's a really powerful statement to ponder for a second. So anytime we're looking at any sort of nutritional advice, tips, information, we always need to understand how it relates to us in our situation. And really, what it really comes down to, for the most part, isn't necessarily what's most effective, isn't necessarily what's the best, uh, what's going to get you the most results, but it's just what you can stick to. And, and, and most of that comes down to personal preference. Now, look, they say variety is the spice of life. And I agree, because sometimes I look at the same meal I ate, the same breakfast that I've been eating for the last two years, <laughs> and I'm like, Ugh, I'm kind of sick of this. But at the same time, I value efficiency, I value simplicity, I value uh, effectiveness. So there's a trade off there. Absolutely. And it really just comes down to, again, your own personal preference. Like if you want to eat strawberries for every single meal, or in every single meal, go for it. More power to you. Something that you that you that I've had a number of light bulb moments working with you. And one of them was on this variety of topic, but you went a step further. And you said, You've, you've got it. You didn't say these exact words, but it's the way I interpreted it. You've got to find a creative way to make, uh, to, to get boring things done. So the, the idea of variety of, you know, your veg, your chicken and your rice can become very boring after a while. But if you put a creative spin on it, and the example that I can give would be to close out every single week, I've got a end of week review meeting. Did I do the number of dials I said I do? Did I send the number of messages? Did I land the number of meetings? Mm -hmm. And that can be boring after a while. And it can be easy to, to skip. Mm. We'll do double next week. I've found creative ways to make those boring things more enjoyable. I'll give you an example would be, uh, not that I'm going to do it this weekend, but I might go, well, this Friday, we're going to have a beer with our end of week mm. review and it spices things up so yep. find get creative to make those boring things easier yeah i totally get no i get what you're saying and i think i think uh the, the point that i think i made as well is that when it comes to nutrition there's an element of experimentation that you need to do with yourself and the experimentation is in context to number one just what food do you actually enjoy eating that's the main question. Like, what do you enjoy eating on a consistent basis? What are you happy with eating on a consistent basis? Then the other question is, okay, what are the sort of checklists of things that we need to tick off when it comes to a meal? And the very easy framework that I gave you and that I give all my clients is, 
what's your lean protein source? What uh, carbohydrate source? So what's your lean protein source? What kind of meat, kind of fish are you having? Chicken, what's your lean protein source? What's your carbohydrate source? Are you having rice? Are you having potatoes? Are you having some whole grain pasta? Or are you not having carbs at all? Because that's possible as well. What vegetables are you having? Are you just having some steamed broccoli? Is it a mixed vegetable stir fry? Whatever it is. And then are you adding any sort of fat source, whether it's maybe some olive oil during cooking, or maybe you're not adding any fat already because uh, the, the, the steak that you had was already had fat in it, whatever it is. And once you can take those, whatever that was, like four things, like have at it in terms of experimentation and creativity and whatever you want. But the fundamentals still apply. It's still the same, but, 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 but. And you can make yeah. it as boring or as spicy uh, or as sort of, uh, you can have as much variety as you want. But I always steer people and urge people to err on the side of just keeping things simple um, just because it makes things easier. And then look, if you want to have that one or two meals per week where you kind of try something a little bit like off the wall, like maybe at the weekend or something like that, you have more time to do a little bit of cooking. That's totally fine. You've mentioned to me before that you like to nerd out. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, what current book or podcast are you reading slash listening to? Mm. Okay, so um, in terms of any particular topic, yeah, any topic. Yeah, cool. So like I said at the start, I, I, I've grown this huge interest when it comes to self-help, uh, personal development. Really what it, what, what it really is is personal transformation. And there's these two particular guys um they it's it's a funny story they used to run rsd a real social dynamics they used to run back in the day like 20 years ago they used to run basically uh dating they were dating coaches gave dating advice for guys uh in the within the the pickup artist community that kind of underworld back in the day uh which which is kind of interesting if you go that, down that rabbit hole it's it's interesting to kind of get their sort of opinion or or perspective on social dynamics persuasion uh, attraction that kind of stuff but they've kind of really branched off in in recent years into this personal development self-help sphere uh, so i'll give you two names uh, owen cook and then julian blanc on on youtube and also jeff allen as well those are the three main guys um and an immense amount of value that can be learned there not just from the perspective of like personal development but in terms of social dynamics uh and how you can apply that to business and sales and marketing and all that kind of stuff really great uh, other than that nothing in particular outside of just the typical i'm a huge fan of uh tony robbins uh, awaken yeah. the Gi awaken the giant within is a great book um another book that is on my list to read the power of now by eckhart tolle which is kind of a, a, an introduction into being present spirituality that kind of new age spin on ancient basically ancient chinese wisdom and ancient eastern philosophy and then his other book a new earth i think they're on my reading list as well and then other than that, I just like to stay up to date. I mean, I'm always like listening to podcasts, just trying to absorb as much knowledge as I can in terms of sales and marketing, online business, that kind of stuff. And yeah. just kind of get, every, kind of soak in everyone else's sort of perspective, you know, imitate, then innovate, that kind of idea. Just kind of get, and I'm, I'm kind of at that point where I kind of see some people, I'm just kind of like, nah, that just seems kind of bullshit. It doesn't seem like that would work for me. And then I think that's an important skill as well to have. Uh, applying it's some like radar. 
a bullshit a bullshit radar or even just uh, just a, be, the ability to apply some critical thinking because a lot of people who are very charismatic can really sell you the dream oh, yeah. um but oftentimes not always but oftentimes um it's sometimes the most charismatic people that have the least to actually back it up um and that's why and that's why you have the situation we have now with our government and i'm not saying that michael martin is charismatic in in any way whatsoever i think leo leo was definitely a lot more charismatic in terms of his sort of public appearance in front of the people and kind of gave people a little bit more hope um but that that's kind of how you have that's just classic group think there by the way um with with the government and what they're doing now just a lot of people coming together thinking that what they've done is like a good idea or a good would you strategy say it's group thinking or would you say it's trying to protect their individual seat and that's individual thinking their individual future seat yeah i it's it's i i always kind of like to think that it, it's kind of an element of both i i like to think that at the start it was a case of they genuinely thought they were doing the right thing uh, like they say that the road to hell is paved with good intentions but but right now at a certain point i was starting to go down the conspiratorial route i was like is, is there people in the, is there are they are there people in their pockets like just straight up is there some sort of globalist or, or just some sort of corporate interests whether it's the banks whether it's i, I don't know i don't know i i wasn't really willing yeah. to go down that rabbit hole yeah, yeah. but there was just like there was just something not making sense and and the, the the kind of crossroads that i came to with my friend and i was look they're either doing something shady or they're just dumb and like th there was no real in between that i could really figure out there's either something shady going on or they're just stupid if they so, loosen so up know. if they loosen up the rules that are currently in place mm -hmm. and things go nuts again mm. They, they've yeah. they've lost their their seat 100 yeah so they've got to be very careful and they've got a, a edge on the side of caution yeah uh, which then doesn't put people's best interest in place it puts their best interest in place yeah yeah, yeah like, like like i said sorry yeah you, you can finish no, no no go on no no go on i, I love go it. off on a tangent about this you know no what i was gonna say like i said back uh back at the start of of this uh, of the podcast generally speaking the the purpose of public health measures isn't to protect public health it's to protect the system and when you go back and you look at like hse reports from like 2011 where they were there was clear guidelines and clear recommendations from the health experts that we needed more icu icu beds we needed to expand capacity this was this was not, sorry, not 2011, 2009. So this was 11 years ago. And within that time, nothing, and I mean, nothing was done. Nothing. Mm -hmm. I think, I think there was like a 10, there was like a 10%, 5% increase in ICU capacity. Um, so it's kind of a case of, uh, and then to go back to what, what it's all about, they started with a very particular narrative, save lives, protect lives. Uh, we need to, we need to all stay home to protect lives. And you kind of, you kind of can't backtrack on that. And, and it's it's going with the narrative versus a, a continual analysis uh, of the facts as they emerge. And we're just not, the government isn't well equipped to respond to things in real time like that, I don't think. I got jealous. Uh, my best friend lives in Australia and he was at a festival last weekend and he was Instagramming video and I couldn't hear him because of the noise. 
but I was like, wow, a world where that happened. Um, exactly, yeah. Yeah, well, look, we could go off on a tangent here. We're up against the hour. So one of the questions I had to finish this out was, uh, what's something that people seem to misunderstand about Alex? Oh, about me? Yeah. Um, I don't think there's enough people out there that have a misunderstanding of me to to have to have a misunderstanding if mm-hmm. that makes sense um why don't so, we ask this question then yeah how would your parents describe what you do for a living yeah uh I, sits at laptop all day <laughs> pretty nice. much yeah that, that's that's pretty much what it is yeah uh, no 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 they they, they they understand the the health and the health and fitness coaching and stuff like that but they just they can't Obviously, they come from an Eastern European background and not that they're not that tech savvy or with the sort of like internet culture and the sort of the trends and of like online business and stuff. They still don't really get it, if that makes sense. They don't understand what a, a massive opportunity everyone has. Uh, Naval Ravikant actually is another person uh, to to look up. He has a great podcast with Joe Rogan, Naval Ravikant. He's like a, an angel investor, super, super wise guy. But he talks about how we live in an age of infinite leverage because of the internet. And so it, it, there's never been a better time than now to to start a business, to invest, to 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 grow your wealth, essentially. Um, and that's, and that's, I think what the average kind of everyday person doesn't really understand. And even within like the business world, I think it, it's kind of very easy to get sucked into the corporate sort of culture and stuff like that and not realize just how much opportunity actually exists out there. Alex, it's, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. As I've said at the start of this podcast and I'll, and I'll reemphasize again, I wasn't, I, I, uh, in no end of October, I was sleeping four to six hours, albeit on a plane most weeks. I was not fasting, and I was drinking probably five nights a week, if not four nights a week, twenty-four wow. bottles of beer. Um, fast forward, and I've now fasted every single week of this year. Um, weight is down considerably. Working out three to four times a week, no longer drinking, um, and seven and a half eight hours of sleep. Um, with the fantastic work that you've done from accountability to here's the here's the weights to do here's the importance of sleep the half-life of coffee here's how you should eat food and it wasn't restrictive in any way in fact i've probably eaten more food than less food it was just better food for you so for those individuals that might be as you say busy professionals that are looking to either improve their sleep um, are unhappy with some bad habits they might have. Example, they might want to lose weight. If they want to get in touch with you, how can they do so? Yeah, so probably the best way to honestly reach me is through LinkedIn. So just Alex Plamadila on LinkedIn. Um, you'll probably have to spell that out for people. A-L-E-X-P-L-A-M-A-D-E-A-L-A. I'm probably the only Alex Plamadila on LinkedIn. Just shoot me a DM. Uh, we can have a conversation, understand what your goals are, what your challenges are, and just firstly see if there's any way that I can even help you, if it's a right fit, if it makes sense to have a more long conversation. And then we can we can do that and then take things from there. Excellent. Well, just as you put up a post from your takeaways at your time at Microsoft, I promised you that I'll put up a post on Sunday about my experiences on the 12-week journey with you. 
the first of the 12 week journeys. Um, mm-hmm. So for those that are interested, you can check out my LinkedIn on Sunday to see that post. And I'll link Alex's LinkedIn at the bottom of that post. Alex, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. You too, Ryan, as always, take care. And maybe we'll, we'll actually see each other in person at some oh, point as opposed to so. virtually.